Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. God's so good to us. Amen. I know you're releasing faith with me. And uh, we're going to uh, receive from the Word of God today. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe that the Word will minister to you. And uh, we're going to see some great things. Uh, before we, right before we get in the Word, I just want to, uh, of course, make you aware. Uh, many of you, of course, watching from the uh, Arkansas location, Little Rock location, are aware, but our governor, uh, Governor Hutchison, uh, has uh, proclaimed today to be a day of prayer uh, for the, the state. And, uh, of course, Pastor Michelle led us in prayer for our nation and our state uh, in the opening. We're not going to do that again, but uh, I just... I'm so appreciative of uh, the godly leadership that God has given us. And uh, uh, they are asking that everybody join in prayer at 3 o'clock this afternoon, uh, of course, for the the state and uh, the nation. And I'm just encouraging you as a family, whether you're from the Kansas location or the Arkansas location, that at 3 o'clock you get the communion elements out and you come together and take communion as a family, uh, because of what God has said to us, everything that is currently transpiring in the nation and the world, I am looking at it through the word God has given. That's so imperative. Because the word that God has given, number one, the word that he gave us for 2020 was that it would be a year of the manifestation of your expectation. Amen. I can hear you shouting by faith. Amen. All right. It, it did not say that it would be a year of the manifestation of your expectation if nothing happened. It said that, that those that stood on the Word would see a manifestation of the Word like they've never seen before. Amen. And so, in everything, I'm praying and believing as it's a done deal. It's finished. It's completed. The Word of the Lord through the, the prophet of God, Brother Copeland, was this. That this disease, and then he named the disease COVID-19, he said it will, it will be over much sooner than anyone thinks because Christian people praying have overwhelmed it. Glory to God. That's the word of the Lord. I don't care. And this is all I'm going to say about this. I don't care how many cases they say or what they say. The word of the Lord is it's been overwhelmed. The Lord gave us something to look to the fifth month. God is going to show His grace. Amen. 
to a people that have largely forgotten him, and he said the result of that would be a harvest of souls. As a body, we have to be focused on the harvest of souls that is coming. Amen. Amen. We got to look beyond what is to what is on the way. Amen. And so uh, in this, this proclamation, of course, our governor said, as Arkansans, we strengthen our faith through prayer, and today we come together as a state seeking God's reassurance and thanking Him for His guidance. And during this challenging time, families, businesses, and communities across Arkansas and the United States have been impacted by the coronavirus. And we ask God to bless all Arkansans of all faith and to give our citizens and leaders inspiration, strength, guidance, and wisdom. And recognizing the love and power of God, we unite with fellow citizens to pray for those who are on the front lines combating this public health emergency. And we gather in prayer and thankfulness for the protection we seek. And in Deuteronomy 31.8, we are reminded of God's promise. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Hallelujah. (laughs) Our governor declaring that promise. And we specifically thank God for his love and mercy and ask for peace and healing throughout our state, nation, and world. Now, therefore, I, Asa Hutchinson, governor of the state of Arkansas, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the laws of the state of Arkansas, do hereby proclaim March 29, 2020 as a special day of prayer in Arkansas across the state. And I urge all citizens of all faith and backgrounds to join in prayer for the state of Arkansas and for this nation. So we're going to be doing that. And obviously you want to come together with your family. And, uh, and take communion and believe God for uh, victory. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, we want to continue today with this subject that we've been on on Sunday mornings, the Lamb, the Blood, and the Resurrection. And uh, we want to start in the book of Colossians chapter 1. Now, something that you have to be aware of in every situation that uh, uh, you may deal with in whatever, whatever the circumstance is this, is what has been done is what's going to pull you through. <clears throat> what has already been accomplished. And your focus has to be on what is beyond the moment. I, I got I to be focused on what's beyond this. And, and I'm not saying this as in just the season you're in. Whatever it may be. Amen. Uh, we, Pastor Michelle was talking about the reports that we've gotten. I, I know for sure just last week I got four reports of people that had obtained victory. I mean, one man texted me uh, uh, and said, I just got a praise report. Uh, my boss just came to me and gave me a bonus check. Uh, another young man texted me the other evening and he said, I just want to ask you a question. He said, how is it that you can get a two-year lease on an apartment and you have bad credit and everything was bad? And he said, I'll tell you how. God, that's how. And, and, and amen. I got a, 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 a report last night from a young man that the place that he was working uh, in Hot Springs, uh, Arkansas, they told him, they said, well, you know, we're cutting hours, so you don't need to come into work. 
And he said, that day I got a call from another supervisor that said, you just come to Little Rock and I'll put you to work with more hours. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, many of you in the Kansas location, you're, you're aware of, of, of uh, Brother Dwayne and Sister Heather. And uh, he went to the doctor and the doctor talked about some blood clots and there was blood clots in his lung. He went through the procedure. He's home. He's going to be going back to work next week. She was so excited about the way the church family came together. I'm telling you that what has been done is what's going to pull you through. There are people uh, uh, in these services today, you've been with us for 20 plus years, God building your faith, God showing you from the Word of God what has been bought for you, what has been procured for you by the blood of Jesus Christ, and now that is what's going to pull you through. That's what's going to pull you through. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what's going to pull you through. Amen. It's what has been done. What has been done. And uh, today, we want to look specifically, we've been looking at the Lamb, the blood, the resurrection. We're going to spend last week and this week looking at the blood. And we want to look specifically at the blood of the cross. Because uh, the blood of the cross had its own significant purpose. And it worked its own significant work. The blood of the cross is significant in this regard. It stands alone. The blood of the cross. It stands alone. And in Colossians 1 and 20, notice what Jesus says, or what the Apostle Paul says concerning Jesus. And having made peace through the blood of His cross notice his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether there are things in heaven or, or things in earth or things in heaven so Jesus considered the cross his cross it wasn't just a cross it was his cross having made peace by the blood of his cross Hallelujah. The, the power of the cross is derived from the shedding of blood. That's the power of the cross. Is the blood that was shed on it. Yes. Hallelujah. And if there was no shedding of blood, the cross really would have had no power. Because when you look at, at, at the cross especially in Jesus' day, it was a means of execution. It was a means of punishment. I mean, crucifixion had been down through the centuries uh, long before Jesus, and, and the Romans perfected it. They brought it to a place, they, they perfected it. And so in Jesus' day, it was a means of public execution. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone that had done something wrong was placed on the cross and executed for their crime. Hallelujah. So the cross really would have had no power if there was no shedding of blood, but it had to be specific blood. In Matthew 26, 
Jesus says something concerning his blood. When he was eating the Last Supper with the disciples, Matthew 26 and 28. Now be sure and get your notebook out, get your Bible out. Don't don't be thinking about vacuuming or, you know, have some nacho chips or something. Uh, You want to focus. This is church. Hallelujah. You got your family together. You got your, uh, your husband and wife together. You're there. Let's focus on this. Matthew 26 and 28. He says, Jesus says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed, notice, for many, for the remission of sins. For the remission of sins. Now, we'll we'll talk about this in a moment. We know the blood forgave sin, but it also remitted sin forgave and remitted, forgave and remitted. Say that out loud, forgave and remitted. Hallelujah. The blood was shed for the remission of sins. And the shedding of Jesus' blood on Calvary was required for the remission of sins. It it had to be that way. When a person is born again, because of the remitted sin, they are pardoned. They're pardoned. Now, but here's something that you have to understand. When a person is pardoned, they're released from. So when you were born again, there was a remittance of your sin. So not only were you forgiven, your guilt for your sin was pardoned. Amen. In other words, you don't have to pay for your share of sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Because the price was paid. Re- remember, Scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Old Testament says the soul that sinneth will surely die. Amen. But when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood, our sins were remitted. They were forgiven, but they were remitted. In other words, under the old covenant, the sin for the year was forgiven, but it could never be remitted. The guilt for that sin could never be taken away because it was the act of substitution and life was given for life, but yet the nature of that individual had not changed. When you were born again, you were forgiven of the sin that you had committed, but then because of the new creature, because of being made a new creature in Christ, 
that sin was also remitted. The guilt was taken away, and you don't have to pay for your share of it. Oh, glory to God. Amen. That, that's, that's why these things that we've learned over the years about being the righteousness of God, about being a new creature in Christ Jesus are so important where your faith is concerned. When you know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what Christ did for you on the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, what you became in Him, it, it brings your ability to operate your faith to a whole nother level because you're not operating it as someone who's sinned and is carrying the guilt of it, you're operating in it as someone who was a sinner, but when Christ shed His blood for you and you accepted it, you became a brand new creature with a measure of the God kind of faith, and now you have the right and the privilege of operating it, because not only are you forgiven, you're a new creature, and Jesus and the Father and all the hosts of heaven do not even remember what you did. Because it's been remitted. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Amen. The Phillips translation says, Drink this, all of you, for it is my blood, the blood of the new agreement. (laughs) Shed to set many free from their sins. See, people very often think that sin was just something they did or something that they do. Sin, before you were born again, was bondage. Sin was your master. Oh, glory. See what? Because what does Romans 6 say? It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. And, and, and you could say it this way, and some do. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. So sin was bondage. Sin was your master. You, before you were born again, you could not help but sin because sin was your nature. Amen. But when I was born again and you were born again, that's why the Bible says that to be born again, you must believe in your heart And confess with your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord. Amen. In other words, sin, you're no longer my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And the moment you asked forgiveness and the moment you made Jesus Lord, not only were those sins forgiven, not only were they washed away, they were remitted and you no longer even carry the guilt of it. Glory to God. Hebrews 9 and 22. So we're not just forgiven. We're set free from sin. Not just forgiven, set free. Set free from the guilt of sin. Hebrews 9 and 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, notice the word, there is no remission. There is no remission without the shedding of blood. So it's impossible for us to be born again 
without the shedding of blood. Cannot be done. But it is also impossible for our sin nature to be remitted without the shedding of blood. Hallelujah. So he says almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And then he brings it over into the new covenant. And without shedding of blood is no remission. So under the old covenant, almost all things under the law were purged with blood. The, the, the utensils of worship, the altar, the, 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 the person that brought the sacrifice, it required blood. But then he says under the new covenant, there's remission. You, you understand? Without shedding of blood, without there being some blood shed here, there can be no remission. And then he goes on and tells us in chapter 9 and chapter 10 how it was the blood of Jesus that cleansed us and remitted our sins. Glory to God. What did the cross mean for Jesus? What did it mean for Jesus? What was visible on Golgotha was the total culmination and demonstration of his life. The willingness to die on Golgotha was the total culmination and demonstration of his life. I came to please the Father. I came to do what the Father has asked me to do. Amen. Jesus was the first man that could really say, my life is not my own. When the Apostle Paul said that, my life is not my own, right? We, we say that. My life is not my own. It belongs to God. When the Apostle Paul said that, that was a revelation about redemption. Why is my life not my own? Because somebody paid for it. It's not mine. And Paul said, the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So my life is not mine. I couldn't procure it. I couldn't, I couldn't develop it. I couldn't produce it. It took a life that was freely given so that I could have this life that was paid for by his life. Amen. So when Jesus went to the cross... It was the total culmination and demonstration of his life. Totally surrendered to the will of the Father. Glory. Because on the cross, Jesus absolutely proved his willingness, his love, and his commitment to the Father, hear me, and to us on Golgotha. The Bible says, remember what it says? It says he, he became, Philippians chapter 2, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. Think about that. You know, death could not just take Jesus. He had to become obedient to it. 
And people will say, well, yeah, but that's because he was Jesus. No, no. The Bible says in that same chapter, Philippians chapter 2, that uh, 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 he put away, right, all of, all of his, his God powers, if you will, and was formed in the likeness of man. Let's go over there so you can see it. We got time. Philippians chapter 2, it says in verse 3, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That, that, that means it did not, he did not feel it diminished his God likeness to become a man. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of God, of, of men, excuse me. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He had to become obedient to death. It had to be something that he allowed. He had to be willing to allow death to take him. Amen. Now, why is that so important? Because it makes the cross a place of a willful sacrifice. Total obedience to the cross. But very often, uh, uh, we minister this in these lines. And please don't misunderstand me. It's true, but the, 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 the mindset that people have, we minister it this way. That Jesus knew the only way for there to be redemption was for him to die. The only way. And he went anyway. But he was willing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, three times, he prayed and pulled his will under subjection to the Spirit. Three times. If he was not willing to do it, he wouldn't have prayed. Because he... Here's the beauty of this sacrifice. Jesus had an option. He told us his options when he stood before Pilate. He told us his options. He said, I could call right now for 12 legions, 72,000 angels, and they would come and deliver me. Amen. When Peter cut off the ear of the servant, he said, put away your sword. I could get out of this if I wanted to, but it's not the time for that. Amen. Nobody takes my life. John chapter 10, 17 and 18. No man takes my life. I lay it down. And because I'm laying it down, I'm going to have the power to take it up again. Glory to God. See, because there had already been a, a treatise. There had already been a covenant that was entered into by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father sending the Son, the Son being willing to be sent, knowing He was going to have to die. But the Father swearing in covenant blood, I'll raise you up on the third day. Hallelujah. Do you see this? So He proved His willingness his love, His commitment to the Father and to us on Golgotha when He was willingly laying down His life. Willingly 
Hallelujah. In uh, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, this is the power of the blood of the cross. Isaiah 53, and uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, or the power of God, or the ability of God? He shall grow up, Jesus, before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. And he was despised, and we esteemed him not on the cross. That's, that happened on the cross. Surely he's borne our griefs. Now, now, go through this and look at this. Surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Now, then understand, then... You read that and you understand why he was a man of sorrows on the cross, a man of grief on the cross. Why? Because he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was. He was smitten of God and afflicted. Not because he had done anything wrong. Not because he had failed, not because he had sinned. Notice, it goes on. But he was wounded, here it is again, for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace or the chastisement needful to obtain peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Everything he did was for us so we could be delivered. Everything. Amen. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Why? For us. Because you were, listen, the worst state of oppression that anybody can be in is oppression to sin. Afflicted by sin. Amen. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his deaths, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When he shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He will see the travail of his soul. The Father will see the travail of Jesus' soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous service justify many, for he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide with him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he's poured out his soul. Notice, he wasn't made, 
he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he made bear the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Hallelujah. All for us. Everything that humanity had suffered since the time of Adam was getting ready to meet Jesus on Calvary. Everything. All the oppression, all the affliction, all the sickness, all the penalty of sin. It was all getting ready to meet Jesus on Calvary. Hallelujah. See, this is, this is why when someone just preaches that Calvary was a place of forgiveness of sin, it certainly was. But that's just one part of it. It was a place of total deliverance from the bondage of the curse. I mean, I really want to emphasize this today. Uh, you, you may have heard me teach on this some, and you may, you may even know it, but, but hear this. <laughs> there was nothing you could do to free yourself. You were a sinner. No matter how much you hated your life or, or how much you wanted it to change, you did not have the ability to change it because you were locked in a cycle of sin with no way out. Every person up to the cross of Calvary, no matter how much they wanted to please God and tried to live righteous by their, their own self, they could not completely do it because they were locked into sin. Amen. But with the sacrifice of Jesus, not only was my sin forgiven, the dominion of sin was broken because I was made a new creature, no longer a sinner, but a saint and a, and, a, and, a, and a son and a daughter in the household of God. And God not only became the one that forgave me, God became my father. The DNA of God came into my spirit. And Peter says I was redeemed with the seed of the Word of God. The very life of God is in my spirit. What you see in my body is just the carrying place of a Son of God. I am redeemed. I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I am no longer a sinner. I'm a saint and an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's what the blood of the cross did. And Isaiah says everything that he did was on account of us. Our transgressions, our iniquity, our peace. The stroke of God fell on him so that it need not ever fall on me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see this? And it was ready to meet Jesus on Calvary. Understand this. When you study the, the, 
the, the, the, the centuries, the years leading up to Christ, over and over and over and over again, it points to that moment. Beginning in Genesis 3, where he said, the seed of the woman to the serpent to the devil will crush your head. You'll bruise his heel. In other words, it won't look good, but in the bruising of his heel is going to be the crushing of your head. Amen. Brother Copeland said something years ago that uh, he, he took a lot of, of uh, flack for, but it's true nonetheless. He said, and Brother Hagin said this as well. Brother Hagin said this. He said, as believers, we got to move beyond the cross. He said, because that's where the debt was paid and that's where the price was paid and that's where we obtained the victory. And he said, but the cross was a place of defeat. Defeat for the, for the enemy, defeat for Satan, yes. But it was a place where Jesus allowed sin. Now hear me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on and qualify this. He allowed sin and death to defeat him. He had walked three and a half years in the anointing in his ministry and demonstrated a mastery over sin, demonstrated a mastery over death, demonstrated a mastery over all the works of the devil, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Is that what it says? But yet on the cross, he gave himself over to be defeated by sin and death and sickness and poverty and all the curse of the law came on him and he succumbed to it and allowed it to kill him. So that he could win the victory. Amen. When he rose, he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. But there had to be a place for him to be defeated so that he could go and win the victory. For me. me. So that I don't have to win the victory. I've got the victory. Hallelujah. It's already mine. See, what has been done is what will pull you through. When you enter a challenge and you're declaring the Word of God, you're not declaring the Word to get the victory. You're declaring the Word because you've got the victory. You don't say I'm more than a conqueror because you want to be one. You say it because you are one. You don't say all my needs are met. I have plenty more to put in store because you need it. It's because you've already got it. Faith looks beyond. Faith sees what everybody else can't see. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, by faith you received that cleansing blood into your heart. And by faith you became a new creature. By faith you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have to suffer one single day of defeat because Jesus was defeated for me. By the blood of the cross. Amen. Do you see that? And religion will say, oh, now, brother, Jesus wasn't ever defeated. If Jesus wasn't ever defeated, meaning this, if Jesus never succumbed to those things for us, then we have to be defeated because there's a price we have to pay. But yet Scripture says that thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. How? How? In Christ. Amen. Perpetual victory is in Christ. Why? Because I didn't do anything to gain the victory. I put my faith in His victory. 
Amen. In Psalm chapter 22. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Whew. God is good to us. Psalm 22 and verse 14. He says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are, bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. My tongue cleaves to my jaw. You have brought me into the dust of death. Now, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to take a lot of time in, in describing this. I've, I've done so in, in other messages. But in crucifixion, ultimately, the weight of the body for suffocation of the victim. Ultimately, a victim of crucifixion died from suffocation because, because they could no longer either no longer support their body weight from their legs or, as we've seen in Scripture, they would break the, the legs of the victim and, and, and they, would, they would hang there until they suffocated. And that's why it was a particularly gruesome death. I mean, it was very painful. And, and it took some victims days to die. Days. That's why Pilate was so astonished when they came to Jesus, only after a matter of hours came to him about Jesus and said he was dead. Well, what sped up the death of Jesus? Everything he was carrying. You, amen. He became sin for us. So the weight of the sin of the entire world, not just the sin that had been committed, every sin that would ever be committed. Now think about that. That blood that was shed on Calvary, it still speaks, it's still living, it's still viable. And ever how long it is till Jesus returns, every sin that will ever be committed, that blood is still potent to forgive it. And so, what would happen in that act of crucifixion is the heart sack would burst. When uh, the centurion ran the spear into the side of Jesus, the blood and water came out. Well, that is the definition of a broken heart. A burst heart. Jesus died of a broken heart. Hallelujah. His love was so great for us, his heart burst. Hallelujah. The blood of the cross, he, he did that for us. And listen to me, my family. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. The, the Father hid nothing from him. Amen. When, when Jesus was in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and he was under such pressure in his flesh that his sweat turned to great drops of blood. In other words, the capillaries in his forehead burst and mixed with his sweat and it looked like great drops of blood. It was blood mingled with the sweat. And I've heard very religious people, you know, try to say that Jesus wasn't shrinking back from the cross. Yes, he was. His, his flesh was shrinking back 
from the pressure that was ahead of it. Amen. Jesus knew, the flesh man Jesus knew that every sin, every disease, every curse was going to be laid on him. He knew it. And, and I've had people say, well, you know, he was dying in the garden and the cup was, uh, uh, you know, the garden and, and if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. No. He, he made mention over and over again in, in reference to that cup. That cup is what he had to drink was the cross. Amen. And in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father... If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Hallelujah. Now now think about this for a moment. The cup of the cross. Nevertheless, not my will. Your will. Right? Now we know without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. That's in Scripture. That was prophesied about Jesus. So we know the cup is not the garden. If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. We know, we know, we understand that, all right? Because Jesus said, let this cup, this cross, this pending destruction, if that's your will, if there's another way, then let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. The cup wasn't the garden. The cup was the cross. Amen. The blood of the cross removed the guilt of sin and made possible the victory over it. My guilt was not only removed, I gained victory by the blood of the cross. It was the glory of the cross that made both of those things possible. The removal of sin, of the guilt of sin, and the victory over it. Look, look, look at Romans 8 and 3. This is victory. Romans 8 and 3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, do you see that? Condemn sin in the flesh. Now if Adam had not been disobedient, the power of sin could never have come on the human race. But because... He was disobedient. There had to be somebody come and be obedient to remove the guilt of sin. Amen. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. How? By becoming a willful substitute. Notice it says, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now that's so important. 
Because when he says that walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, he's not saying doesn't walk after sin, but after the Spirit. He's saying trying to produce things in your flesh that can only be produced in the Spirit. Amen. Now, notice 1 Corinthians 2. Oh, this is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, verse 6, he says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom that God ordained before the world to our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> Satan actually ruined his own future. He ruined his own future. Notice, they would not have crucified. That's a direct reference to the cross. They would not have crucified Jesus had they known. It was the blood of the cross that was going to remit our sin and the guilt of it, but the devil didn't know that. He didn't know that. He thought he was just getting rid of Jesus. Amen. But Jesus knew the plan. The enemy didn't know the plan. Hear me when I say this. The devil is always playing catch up to God. God's never trying to catch up with him. Amen. Can can you imagine the shock? Because, Because think about this for a moment. There was 30 years of Jesus' life that he walked on the earth, and we have no evidence in Scripture that the enemy was even aware he was in the earth. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the shock when Jesus walks into that temple after being anointed by God and the Holy Spirit and he walks in that temple and there's a man there with with a demon and that demon cries out, Whoa! What are you doing here? What do we have to do with you? Right? And all of a sudden, now I'm just saying this for terms of preaching, all of a sudden the hotline begins to, to light up. God's in the earth. God, how is God in the earth? Adam gave, Adam gave the, 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 the right for God to be in the earth away when he failed. How, what? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I rem- Abraham making those sacrifices. Abraham being called a friend of God. Abraham offering Isaac on Mount Moriah. But there was the act of substitution with the ram. Wait a minute, now I see it. God found a way into the earth through his friend Abraham. And because Abraham gave God his son, God being a covenant partner with Abraham, had to turn around and give his son. And now he's in the earth. Why didn't I see that? Why, why couldn't I figure that out? But now he's here. 
What are we going to do? And here, like the enemy always does, he, he just thought, now he's in the flesh, I can kill him. And we'll get this all out of the way. <laughs> but he was, there was a greater end to it. Am I helping you with this? He didn't know. The enemy didn't know what he was doing when he moved those people to crucify Jesus. Had no idea what he was doing. Amen. The cross was Jesus' personal victory over the power of sin. It was his personal victory over the power of sin. In, in uh, Romans 5, Romans 5 and verse 10, it says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we'll be saved by His life. Now here's, this is what's so important. For guilt to be removed, there had to be Reconciliation. No one can contend with sin without coming into contact with the wrath of God. You can't. You cannot contend with sin without coming into conflict with the wrath of God. And and notice what it says there in Romans 5 and 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by His life. So for guilt to be removed there had to be reconciliation. Amen. And He knew that when He dealt with the guilt of sin, He was going to have to deal with the wrath of God. Do you see this? See, the wrath of God was stored up to be released. Remember what Scripture says? Paul says in Romans that the wrath of God is released on all unrighteousness. Right? Isaiah 53 gives us insight into it. On the cross of Calvary, all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. So there are people that will say, well, if there's no more wrath, why do we see the wrath of God in the book of Revelation? Because the wrath of God is only abated and only done away with for those that have received the cross of Christ and received the blood of Jesus, which is the reconciliation factor. I have been reconciled to God. I had to be reconciled to God. I went away from God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own paths. I was, I, was, I, was, I was separated from God. God never separated from me. I was separate from God. And when I was born again and received the blood of Jesus in my life, it reconciled me to the Father. Whoo! The cross... This is important to understand. Was the sin deliverer. Jesus was the sin bearer. 
But the cross was the vehicle by which we were delivered from the effects of sin. The cross was the sin deliverer. Jesus was the sin bearer. He bore our sins, but he bore them through the vehicle of the cross. Now, this is what I wanted to say. If you meditate on these things every day, sin will have no part or lot in you. No part or lot. Folks, I was years into my Christian walk before I figured out that sin does not have to have dominion over me. Amen. Because I was, I, I was raised in a, in a circle that talked about the power of the flesh and the power of sin in the flesh and that you couldn't help but sin and it was the old flesh and you're always concentrating on putting the flesh to death, putting the flesh to death, putting the flesh to death, dying to self, dying to self. And then I heard a message Brother Hagin taught about how people always talk about dying to self. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that's what I was always taught. And he said, they're so focused on dying to self, they can't die to God. And then they can't live in victory. Amen. Self is not a problem when you realize that self died when I was born again. Amen. And I've been reconciled to God. Am I helping you? If you meditate long enough on those things, you meditate every day, it'll have no part or lot in you. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big the sin is. I don't care how big of a stronghold it's had in your life. I don't care. Freedom will be the result. Amen. In uh, John 12, John 12, and verse 32. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying the death that he should die. It's the blood of the cross that's responsible for the remission of sin. It's the blood of the cross that causes men to be drawn to Jesus. Amen. The blood of the cross also demonstrated Jesus' obedience to the Father. There's something that you've got to understand that gave the power to the cross. What gave power to the cross was Jesus' self-sacrifice. He could not be made to do it. He had to want to do it. He had to volunteer. It was his self-sacrifice. Now think about this for a moment. I, I, I need you to see this. God did not have to send Jesus. It was man who had willfully turned away from God. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own path. I I, I need you to see this. It makes John 3.16 so much more powerful. He didn't have to do it. God was under no obligation to do it. Now, 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 understand, I know he had said through 
the, the word and various prophecies that that was what he was going to do. But understand what I'm saying when I say this. He didn't have to set a plan in motion to fix it. God had done no wrong. But yet, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it tells you why God did what He did, because He loved the world, and for the purpose that we didn't have to perish, but we could have eternal life. And so understand this. Jesus did not have to come. Jesus did not have to make the sacrifice that He made. It was a willing, self-sacrificial act, and that's what gave power to the cross. Mm. It, It would have done no good at all for a guilty man to be nailed to the cross. None. Amen. There there are people, they've sang great songs. I should have been crucified. It would have done no good for you to be crucified. You were guilty. Are you following me? A non-guilty man was taken to the cross. Isaiah tells us, he did no guile. Deceit was not found in his mouth. He never sinned. So it would have done no good to nail a guilty man to the cross. Jesus was not guilty. He was not a condemned man by action. He had done no action to produce guilt. Jesus was tempted by sin, but he was never tempted with sin. Amen. Temptation to sin came to him, but he was never tempted with it. Glory to God. Well, pastor, is that possible? Yes, because I can can live like him. It's possible to be tempted by something, but not with it. What does that mean? It's there, I could do it, but I don't desire it. Jesus was a condemned man because he was fulfilling the prophetic scriptures, not because he had sinned. See, when we say things like our theology, it can become so clichéic. And we'll, we'll say things, songs will say, for my sins he died. Yes, it was. It was for our sins. And then the rest of the song says, so I should have been crucified. No, no, I should not have been. Because my crucifixion would have solved nothing. Paul said when Jesus died in Galatians, you'll remember, I am crucified with Christ. With Christ. With Him. In other words, my death wouldn't have accomplished anything. I had to see myself die with Him. In other words, I see myself in Christ as a sinner on that cross, and I see myself dying with Him on the cross, and because I see myself dying with Him, I also see myself rising with Him, and I also see myself living in newness of life. 
Isn't it interesting when you look at the Pauline Revelation? He says, he says, he that dieth to sin, dieth to sin once. But you've got believers all over the world today that are wanting to die to sin and die to self. They don't have a revelation of redemption. How, how often did Paul say you died to sin? Once. Once. Do I have to keep myself in that place? Yes. How do I keep myself in that place? I'm not going to do that. I'm dead to sin. Jesse Duplantis told a humorous story one time. Sometimes his revelation, uh, people lose it in his humor. But he was talking about going to a, he was in a hotel and, and he had come back from the service and he said that he went to his hotel and he came back to do something, get something to eat or something in the lobby. And he said, a lady of the evening met him and said, hello. And he said, I said, hello, you know, how are you? She said, uh, 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 would you like some company tonight? And Jesse said, I looked at her and said, oh, I'm dead. And the woman said, oh, I'm sorry. Have you sought any medical help? He goes, no. He said, I enjoy being dead. Now, people, sometimes that's lost in his humor, but he was saying, I'm, I'm dead to sin. This is not a temptation to me because I'm dead to sin. Amen. And the woman figured out he was a preacher and she, she took off running. But his, his point was, I'm dead to sin. I died to sin once. And I based, remember what? has been done is what will pull you through. Well, I just can't help, but this, this sin keeps cropping up. You don't see yourself as dead to it. Do you know confession is not just so you can get things? Confession is an admission of what you are. I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am healed. I am whole. How about this? I am dead to sin. Father, I thank you today as I go about my day. I'm dead to sin by the blood of the cross of Christ. I'm dead to it. Amen. When Jesus prayed in the garden, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He wasn't praying to find out the will of the Father. He knew the will of the Father. Let, 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 let's end with this. We read Philippians 2, 8 and 9. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But in Hebrews 5, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, actually, let's start in verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So he knew what the will of the Father was. He knew the will of the Father was for him to give his life. And there in verse 7, he's talking about the, the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
So he wasn't praying to find out the Father's will. He knew the Father's will. So the blood of the cross, the power of the blood of the cross is found in the willing sacrifice of Jesus. The willing sacrifice of Jesus. And there are people saved, saved people that, are, that don't walk in the power of the cross. Because it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's where they were forgiven and, and, and they know that there has been bloodshed and if they sin, they can be forgiven. But they don't live like they have power over it. And it's not a, an indictment as much as it is an, a, a, a observation that if I begin to understand the power of the blood of the cross, not only sin, then I live on a level that's far above the world. You know, I said something last night in church, and I want to say it again. You know, the blood of Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 2, was shed so that I could be set free from the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, And because the sons and daughters were flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same, that through his death he might deliver them who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. The blood of Jesus delivered me from fear. Fear, as I'm closing, I want to say this. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is not an emotion. Fear is a spirit. And as a believer, you have no business with it. I could say it this way. As a believer, you have no business sinning. Well, how can I say that? Because the, the blood fixed that. Why did Jesus die? Hebrews 2 says to deliver you from the fear of death. Is that right? It is. Hebrews 2.14. Who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. And, and, you, and a person that you know or maybe even you, you, the fear might be trying to attack you in another area. Pastor Michelle talked about it in the offering. It, it, it might be trying to attack you about what are you going to do about this or what are you going to do about that. Ultimately, though, that is the fear of death. Something's going to die. Amen. But the blood of the cross was shed to deliver you from that. What can you threaten a person with that has no fear? Nothing. Now, I'm led of the Holy Spirit to say this. Amen. When you start thinking down a line and that feeling starts rising up in you, that's fear. You have no business with it. The most gruesome, horrible, awful death that anybody could die physically, Jesus experienced it. Jesus then went to hell and experienced spiritual death. Separation from the Father. Total, eternal separation from the Father. 
Are, are you following me? Now, there was a covenant between him and God. God said, on the third day, I'll raise you up. But there was a period of time that justice had to be satisfied. Amen. And in the mind of God and in the mind of Jesus, it was, for, it was an eternal separation. Amen. And the Bible says he delivered them. Did deliver or, or is going to? Delivered them who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. Delivered them. And then it goes on and it says this. And it says that he, he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Through the blood of the cross. That word destroyed is paralyzed or stripped. Amen. Why do people do so much talk about a paralyzed naked devil? That has no armor to trust in. Luke says Jesus took his armor. I'm serious about this. Amen. We, we, people have to stop talking about the power of something else to produce harm when we need to be talking about the power of the blood of the cross that's already delivered us from every harm that could come our way. Already delivered. If you're not afraid of anything, what can you be threatened with? What report can make you fearful? It's a spirit. It's not a feeling. It's it's not natural. Fear is unnatural to the born-again believer. And I've had people, I've even had Christian people look at me and say, well, you know, a little fear is a good thing. That's like a little manure in your brownies are good. Nope, nothing good about it. There's no goodness in fear. I say there's no goodness in fear. And the blood of the cross was shed to deliver you from that. Amen? So keep it in your mouth what God has done for you. Keep it in your mouth that this situation will be over quicker than anyone thinks. Keep it in your mouth the fifth month God's going to show me His grace. And there's been other words that have come forth by people that I trust. People I've watched say things from God and watched them come to pass. Uh, uh, one person that my wife and I were talking to said as, as, they, as they were just uh, meditating on, on the things of the Lord one day, they said, I just knew, not, not didn't hear something. There was just a knowing in my spirit, this thing has turned. Yes. And the Lord directed them over to Job 42 where it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Uh, another prophetic voice, Pastor Michelle was telling me yesterday, they said they got up and they were praying and they heard this. They heard the tide has turned. Now, 2 Chronicles 20, 20 says, believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And, and y'all know me, I'm your pastor. I'm going to say this the way I would say things. Everybody else has to do what they have to do. But as for me and my house, this thing has turned. It has been overwhelmed and we're looking for the grace of God and we're looking for the harvest of souls. What if they do this? I don't care what they do. I don't care what they said. 
what God said is what is. What God has said through the mouth of His men and women of God, that is what I will see manifest in my life. Period. Amen. And, And in closing, I'll just share this with you. If you go outside today, especially here in Arkansas, the sun's shining. The fragrances of spring are in the air. The birds are chirping. The the squirrels are chattering. Life is going on. And Jesus said, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Despite what might be going on in the world, they're living their life. I'm going to live my life. I am not going to let fear rob me of the life God brought me. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Well, God's good to us. Amen. Well, 6 o'clock tonight, we'll be back for another great faith-building message. We'll be talking about faith looking beyond tonight, uh, part two. I believe God, don't forget to join us with prayer, uh, in prayer at 3 o'clock. Actually, my family's going to be taking communion and, and just putting ourselves in agreement with what's been said. And we're going to believe God for a great, great, great outcome in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just speak to every person watching, every person listening. Lord, and we just declare over them the power of the blood of Jesus over every family. Lord, we speak health. We speak wholeness. We speak completeness. We speak complete, Lord, strength in their finances strength in their home, strength in their bodies in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we're not dismayed. We thank you that we're not uh, 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 brought into the power of fear, but that we walk in total faith and total victory. Hallelujah. And remember, says the Lord, remember, says the Lord, that in the book of Isaiah, when the enemy came to Hezekiah, And Hezekiah had told the people to trust in the Lord. That the enemy's messenger came. And he was intent to raise his voice. And these were his words. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you into thinking that the Lord will deliver you. What you see in this time that we're in. Are people who are afraid. To take the word of the Lord and put it in their mouth. The word that has come from the prophets of God. The word that has been spoken by the trusted voices, says the Lord. Those voices that have brought people through many challenges in the past and are destined to bring them through many challenges in the future. Fear not to put the word of the Lord in your mouth and declare it long and declare it loud and declare it boldly. For at the end of this season, you shall be one and you shall be a people and you shall be a body that people will remember that you have the boldness and the courage to stand up and say, it will all come to an end. And they said that the Lord said that and it occurred. And now I want to go there and be a part of people that gave help and hope and trust in the Lord God. 
And when this season is over, you will look at the front doors of your church and you'll see people lined up as never before. You'll see people coming in for prayer and people coming in for answers. For there is in this season a harvest that is now germinating in the earth. Many have reached a place where they have no hope and they have no desire. They have no reason to go on. But you are giving them a reason and giving them a desire. When I speak of the harvest, I not only speak of a harvest of prosperity and a harvest of things, but there is a harvest of souls that you are going to see waving in the breeze. And many are coming. Many are coming. Many are coming. Get the diapers ready. Get the bottles ready. Get the bassinets ready. For the babies are going to need to be bounced on the knee. The babies are going to need to be fed. The babies are going to need to be changed. The babies are going to need to learn how to walk and mature and talk the things of God. And I've designated this body as one of the many across this state, across this world, across this country to be ready for the babies that are coming into the house of God, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. So put aside, says the Lord, every thought that would cause you to think something contrary to what I said. For I will perform the doing of it. And you shall see it will all come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just have in my heart at this time that you may be watching and maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. And you've been clinging to hope that you've heard today and the Lord's been dealing with your heart and I yes. just want to open to you yes. right now yes. this opportunity to know Jesus Christ as yes. your Lord. What we've heard concerning his sacrifice is for you. And so if right now you would just open up your heart and say this, say, I desire, I desire. To know, Jesus Christ to know Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Lord and, my Savior. and my Savior. I believe, I believe he, died on the cross, he died on the cross, poured out his blood, poured out his blood for, me, for me to free me, to free me from, sin, from sin and to reconcile me, and to, reconcile me to God. To God. I believe God. I believe God. Raised Jesus from raised the dead. Jesus from the dead. And today. And today. I accept him. I accept him. As my Lord. As my Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I want to pray for you. Father, for every person who has prayed and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, I ask you, Father, to open the eyes of their understanding. Father, to connect them to your word and to help them to grow and to be established in who they are in Christ. And Father, I pray for you to lead them and to guide them every step in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, you need a local church, you need a pastor, and you need a Bible. <laughs> <laughs>
You need to, because all of these are equippings of God to help you grow and to be established in the things of God. So I want to say to you, we welcome you to be a part of this local church, Faith Builders. Here in Kansas, in Little Rock, we are, both locations, we welcome you to be a part of our family. Amen. 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 And we'll be back together soon. Amen. We'll be back together before you know it. Amen. And uh, just remember that um, <laughs> the strong spirit of a man sustains him. And folks, I, I want to say this just to our body, and this is the last I'll say about this. I know that I know that I know I've heard from God. And I know that these things that people are saying are of God. We have to stand fast in what the Lord has said to us. And it's not a denial. It's not a refusal to be realistic as people say. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 24, He said in the last days there would be things like this and the world would be in a turmoil. But you know what Jesus also said? It's going to get back to normal. He said before the days of the coming of Jesus Christ, the bodily return of Jesus to the earth, that people are going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Life is going to be going back to normal. I, I challenge you. This is the only thing I, that the Holy Spirit's told me to say. I challenge you. When, when you go into the grocery store or you go in wherever you're going and, and you look and maybe they put limits on things or whatever. Listen, the day's coming back. You're going to be able to get 12 of them if you want. We're going to have so much toilet paper that we're going to wonder, why was there ever a problem? We already wonder why the but toilet paper. You understand? But my point is, if you don't keep the focus, the Lord kept speaking this word to me, normalcy. Normal. Normalcy. I came in church today, and I walked through the sanctuary, and I checked every row to make sure the chairs were lined up. Why? That's what I normally do. Amen. I, I, I looked at things around my church. What do I need to look at? What do, because my, my usher team is going to be back, and there's going to be things I'm going to be asking them to do. I turned on the lights in the prayer room today. Why? Because it's not going to be long. We're all going to be back in there praying at 9 o'clock. Amen. I shut my eyes when I was sitting right over here, just closed my eyes, and I saw different ones. I saw those that sit on the front row, those that sit back. Kim came over here and shut this door today, and just like we normally do at the time we normally do it. And you know what? It's just another regular Sunday morning here at Faith Builders. Yeah. Normalcy. Don't let the devil knock you out of it. Yeah, but they got us here, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. that listen, nobody can make me feel any way I don't want to feel. Nobody. Nobody. And if I say it's normal, it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm a hope dealer. OG hope dealer. <laughs> Amen. Everywhere I go, I'm dealing hope. I told somebody just yesterday, I said, oh, it's just a matter of time before. I said, every day is another day back close to normal. Back to normal. Every day is one more day closer to normal. Amen.